from Kalalu Studios in New York City. You are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kishana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. What happened in the meeting after the meeting? We talk about it all on Let's Take This Offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. We have all been there. Losing a team member is like throwing money in the trash and putting it outside for pickup. In fact, according to my most recent deep dive, on these internet streets, according to the research, you can lose up to $200,000 in revenue and a lot of time when you don't make a great hire and your team members, well, they leave. So how do you find amazing talent and create the conditions for them to stick? If you've ever had a hard time hanging on to your team, you're looking for new strategies to help your team grow or you're ready to level up as a manager and leader, then I have something for you. Sticky Teams, a private podcast just for everyday leaders, people managers, business owners, and folks who are looking to do talent management right so that you can recruit, retain, and develop great employees. I'm gonna help you keep them engaged and make sure all of this aligns with the strategy and goals of your organization. The days of hiring and firing, of finding them and losing them are gone. Dig on in to Sticky Teams over at kashanako.com. Danielle Henry has a demonstrated history of working in the management consulting industry for profit and nonprofit entities with a focus on social impact digital marketing, branding, web development, and operations. She is the founder and CEO of Great Dane 921 Consulting, a consultancy firm focusing on developing solutions that are based on the foundation of empathetic understanding and the need for more compassion, and transparency at work. Danielle is a second year doctoral student in the Organization and Leadership Psychology program at William James College. She obtained her MPA in Public and Nonprofit Management and Policy with a specialization in general finance from the Robert F. Wagner Graduate School of Public Service at NYU and a BA in American Politics from the College of Arts and Sciences at New York University. With public service in her heart, Danielle has been an active member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and is the immediate past president of the Westchester Alumni Chapter serving Westchester County, New York. She is also the past president and sustainer member of the Junior League of Orange County, New York. A born and bred New Yorker, in her spare time, you can find Danielle doing monthly cultural outings to museums, gardens, and immersive exhibits with her fur, floral, culture, and cocktails crew around New York City roller skating in her local skating rink, or as a podcast co-host for the Empress High Council, whose focus is on self-care and entrepreneurship. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's your girl, Kishana Palmer, and I am back with another fantastic episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. And my friends, I could not be more excited to be hanging out today with one of my good, good friends, Danielle Henry, who I asked to come on today to talk about something that I was like, say more. She's done conference sessions for me. Uh, If you haven't caught one of her like political, social, cultural commentaries on her Instagram page, you are missing out. So we'll drop that in the show notes. But Danielle, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me today. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. I'm here. Thank God. Um, the weekend is approaching because 
Huh. It's like I, I I keep doing marathon weeks, <laughs> marathon weeks. But don't, isn't it funny? Like every week, I look up and I think to myself, "This week is gonna be the week that's not going to be a marathon." You know what I mean? And, and I said that I said that this week, and it ended up being a marathon week. It ended up being, a, and that's so crazy to me because I find that like when I start out thinking. This week, I'm only going to do these four things. Mm-hmm. If nothing mm-hmm. else happens and I do these four things, I'm going to be great. Then all of a sudden, there's 1,245 repeating things that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but today, we're going to be talking about something that I had not really dug into or heard about until I heard you talk about. Um, and that is thinking about... Um, really something that has been in a lot of leadership conversations. So you hear a lot about emotional intelligence, there's articles and there's blog posts and there's sessions. I've done sessions and what it takes to be successful as a leader and mm-hmm. folks who don't have high EQ. Listen, what are we doing right now? They're not getting ahead. Okay. No, but you have a, a, a twist on this whole thing. And that is that cultural quotient. And I wanted us to talk about it today because I feel sure. like that really is the thing of life. So what do you mean when you think about the, the cultural quotient or the CQ? <laughs> it's all in the queue. All- <laughs> oh, so there has been a very, in, you know, increased rise in like yeah. the past, I'm going to say five to 10 years, you know, emotional intelligence or EQ was put on the map and every leader, every manager, every person working in the workspace, be it corporate or or um, industrial or what have you, was like, well, what's your EQ? And folks are looking around like, uh, huh? where, where, where does one get an EQ? Right. Uh, how, how does one get an EQ? What you mean an EQ? And what we forgot was that there are other quotients that we should be looking at because they're all intertwined to make us a productive, transformative professional, no matter what space you're in. So there's, so there's actually like three cues. Woo, break it down. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Like get your pens and papers out. There's, There's EQ which yeah. is emotional quotient or the emo- emotional intelligence. Yep. SQ, which is your social quotient, how you Ooh. engage, how you interact with people. Some of us have some low. And then CQ, <laughs> CQ, which is cultural quotient or cultural intelligence. Yeah. And with CQ, now people are scratching the surface with CQ. CQ has actually been around for over 20 years. Okay. One of the main um psychologists has that's been like at the forefront of really pushing this, pushing this and saying, hey, don't forget this cue over here is is, yeah. is David Livermore. He came okay. out with a great book specifically about cultural intelligence. He has a center called the CQ Center that I'm actually um, a fil- uh, been looking at, learning, getting additional trainings on. Um, I became more interested in regards to CQ, especially in the... The current state of affairs that we are in right now, the pandemic really Ooh. spotlight on a lot of things. Okay. What did it, what did it spotlight for you? Because you talk about the emotional quotient, the social quotient, and then the cultural quotient. And you gave commentary and good stuff across yeah. all across all three. And so, you know, three, three is so, my favorite number. I just want you to know. Okay. Side I, side. I know it is. <laughs> so what happened during this time period, these over 18 months of being yeah. in confinement and what have you, the the face and the environment of work changed, okay? And what happened is now you really had to look at these things in a different lens. You're okay. now engaging with the people you work with on a virtual platform. 
How do those things resonate and how do people communicate now on a virtual platform and engage Mm. on a virtual platform when we've always been in person and we decide on how we want to engage with people? You can decide if you want to be in a room with someone or leave the room. Now it's like I have to navigate how to speak and communicate with someone on a virtual platform. And some people don't like it. Some people, some people are introverted. Some people based on their culture Mm -hmm. don't want to have these types of conversations in the virtual space. So with, with CQ, it's, it's acknowledging um, people's uh, diversity, how they, um, how they're how they were raised affects yeah. how they engage. Sometimes a person who doesn't speak much isn't 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 being rude. That's just that's just how they are in regards to how they were raised or, or, or a cultural a mindset of like let me sit and take it in and process and then speak right. But you won't know that if you're an extrovert and you're talkative and you're just like, well, what's wrong with them? Mm-hmm. So the CQ is basically say, stating to acknowledge people's differences in a way that um, not only changes you as a person, but changes the organization as well. Ooh. And that's like a different way to me, like a, just a, a, a different lens, if you will, to look through because typically because there's been so much work and conversation and books written around emotional intelligence, which, you know, straddles alongside that, e- that EQ, it's, you know, studies have said that folks who um, go are going pound for pound with the same skills or similar skills going for that same role, typically the person who has a higher level of emotional intelligence, that higher EQ, um, will typically slide into that role, all other things being equal. We know lots of things aren't equal, y'all, but all other things being equal. Um, And there's a a thing about emotional intelligence where, you know, being able to see, being able to see how what you do, how you act, how you interact affects others, how your environment is set up, et cetera, that's as a baseline for being a good leader. And so that cultural aspect to me tends to kind of walk you out one step further. It really begs the individual who is in that power position to have to pay attention, not just to the people that you're dealing with, but also how those people came to be who they are. That's a lot exactly. of work. It's a lot of work, but it has to be done. Why do you and do that? Say that why? again. Why do, you have, why do you have to do it? I'm just like, okay, yeah, and okay, why? You why know why? Because the cult, the cultural, the CQ is a tie and a component as to how a company operates and what's the company's culture. What's the, oh, what's the culture? Here's the thing. The pandemic also put a, lent, put a, a spotlight on the fact that mm-hmm. DEI was lacking CQ. Woo, talk about it. And, and basically you had to step back and assess the importance of CQ in the DEI yes. schema. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is not just about bringing people together and being like, kumbaya. Hello. Okay. Talk about CQ it. plays its part in further educating people about differences and the different groups and how that develops the appropriate values and norms yeah and business and how business operates in a company mm-hmm. so when you don't have that you're just functioning as an organization just doing your appropriate profit margin and you're not you're not cultivating, here we go, here we cultivating go. your employees. One of the things that employees are also looking at in regards to the jobs that they take these days is oh. that appropriate work-life balance and does the company or organization resonate, re, sorry, resonate with my lifestyle, my thinking, on things, be it political, creative, artistic, social activism, all that stuff. All account. It all counts. It, it all counts. counts which so all 
Yeah, go ahead. What I'm hearing you say in there, like, and that's the thing that that I think is so unique about this approach. So, you know, for many of us who have experienced the checkbox aspect of mm-hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion in our professional careers, what, what I hear you saying is that taking that cultural quotient means that you're recognizing what the differences, the nuances are of the people who make up your company culture and that you've got to make a decision that you're going to build a culture that is able to include all of that different fabric, which means to me, you've got to really, really be clued in and paying attention to your people and be curious. Yes. There is also a, a rise of organ of companies and organizations looking at what their not only overall brand is, but like what their employee brand is, which is a whole separate narrative about yeah. who they are and what they are, which ties also into their employee value yes. program. Their whole, their whole like internal identity and how employees mm-hmm. will resonate and want to stay with the company. Because in recent years, there is no company loyalty. To- and we have seen this. And it's, and it's gotten worse. It's gotten right. worse. <laughs> right. But we've seen it amplified, has it not? Yes, it has. Year and a half, almost yes. two years at this point. Because yes. it didn't just start in March of 2020. There no, it didn't. And a rumbling happening throughout every sector, whether you're in government, yes. you're in the social sector, you're in the corporate sector, you're in tech, you're in industrial, whatever it is, there was a rumbling happening. And folks have been yes. saying for a long time, I want to work for companies and with people who actually care about the things that happen to me outside of work. Yes. Because I know I do my best work if you're paying attention to how I live my life. But on top of that, we spend, even if you're an entrepreneur or you're an employee for a company, we spend over 50% of our time working. So it's a part of our identity. (laughs) The other day, I, I, I went out to brunch with my mom and my mom asked me how work was. I said, I don't like to, I don't, I don't discuss work off hours. (laughs) I can't with you. (laughs) The old me would, no, the old me would, Keish, the old me would and complain and commiserate and all this type of stuff. But I started to realize that I was going down a rabbit hole and Mm. making what I do my full scale identity. And I forced myself Mm even more so during this pandemic and a little bit prior because I was starting to get in that 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 space yeah. of being like there is more to me than Danielle the project manager the OD consultant the doctorate student like there's more to me than the profession of what I'm studying I like to roller skate I like to go to cultural outings. Aha. You know, like I like to do things outside of work. And my mother was like, that's an interesting approach to take. You know, why do you not want to? I said, because it's not me. It's not all of me. And it has taken so long for so many of us. You know the song, break Mm -hmm. every chain to break the chain. chain. (laughs) That's a song though. That's a whole, listen, that's a box. Because think about, okay, so think about if if you have parents, um, and my parents were professionals, but you, my, my, parents mom, my mom, mm-hmm. my dad, my um, stepdad, union workers, working really good jobs with a, with a start date and a stop date. My yep. stepmom was, a, is, um, was a, a nurse. She's retired now. I don't remember any of them, except for a funny story here or a funny story there or ever talking about work at home. So much so is that when they got home and took off their uniform, came out of their street clothes, as you know, we just, you know, we don't put on, we don't keep on the street clothes in the house. Okay. No. You know, we don't. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. As soon as the outside outside clothes came off, they shed that and were dad at home, mom at home, 
husband at home, wife at home, partner at home. And somewhere along the line, by the time we got to college and we got into our professional lives, even if we're coming home and we're taking off the physical attire, we were not taking off the work attire. So much right. so my dad used to remark, I remember when I first moved back to New York um, many years ago, he said to me, oh God, Shauna, you're always working, you're working, you're working. I don't know you young people. I always thought you should have a career so that you didn't have to work this hard. I was like, dad, this is what the career looks like. I yes, it's changed. So imagine what you're saying now to your mom. Interesting that she was surprised, but I bet money that it doesn't look very different than what she was doing at some point too. Yes. We're, we're, we're kind of getting back to that. That's that, that, that leaving of one piece of business when we come to manage the other piece of business, which is our lives. Which is, yeah. And I needed, I happened. needed to separate, I needed to separate the two. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. do you, how do you then, how do you then encourage, entice, incent leaders to like weave in that cultural, that cultural quotient, that CQ? It's an, it's imperative. It's imperative that leaders really invest the time in, yeah. I'm not saying getting to know all of your employees, but having the space to engage and interact with your employees, to, ha- to, to do collaborative exercises, yeah. to, to, to identify what the organization or company is. It's imperative. You just don't stay here at the top. The old school mentality of like, I'm the leader. I'm going to stay over here. I don't need to engage with anybody. That has changed. That has changed. More and more people in the past 18, 20 months during, like you said, nearly two years, right? Yeah. There, there, there were individuals who acquired employment this past year, but there were also individuals who acquired employment, but then turned around and left Out the, the employment door. because it Out didn't tie it didn't tie into what their life was about. They realized that leaders weren't really engaging or really having the opportunity to have town halls or or, or discussion cafes mm-hmm. about the state of the organization. That's becoming very imperative. Okay, all of these things in regards to organization development play its role in 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 evolving an organization where they can go from being an orange or green organization to the penultimate, the 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 Shangri-La of a teal organization. Teal. That's why my hair is teal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, so <laughs> right. You know, everybody wants to aspire for that, and there's only a few organizations that are at that level. So break the majority. Down, break so, down, some folks don't know what the levels are. So let's. <laughs> yeah. walk, walk so if you take walk a moment, if everyone could take a moment, it's 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 a cool, insightful read. It's well, it's, well, you know, if you like psychology and, and organization development. Listen, you know, listen, the, the listeners of this podcast, we are the coolest nerds this side of of the world. Okay, and I all have, the world. So we are a reading set of people. And, and, so and if you're into OD, you've heard of Keegan and Lay. He and 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 all of these fascinated fascinating psychologists, OD practitioners. Um, but when it comes to the color breakdown of organizations, the individual that really put that on the map with his book called Reinventing Organizations is Frederic Lalou. Mm-hmm. Frederic Lalou. And what he did is he basically um did a breakdown as to where organizations were in different time periods and where and where organizations are now. So you had your you had your red, amber, orange, green, and then teal. And the colors corresponded to a place in organizational growth. In organizational growth and even time period. Mm-hmm. And the way how thinking, you know, was going down. Um, back in the day, be it be it as it may. So a lot of organizations in this time period are either orange or green. So they're like either two levels below teal, which is the top, or just a step below from reaching teal. So you have a lot of organizations that are like, what am I missing that I can't get to the teal? 
Why can't I get there? What am I missing? How do I how do I further engage my employees so they understand the importance of this? So listen, y'all. So I'm gonna make sure that I put a quick definition for each of these colors in the show notes. So have no fear if you're like, what is she talking about? What are y'all talking about? Like just just keep keep hanging with us and then just check the show notes because if you're like me, I would already have slid off the hill and been like looking on the internet. What what is that exactly again? So I can make sure I understand it. Cause that that makes sense. Like every organization has a trajectory of growth depending yes. on where they are in their maturity, right? And so yes. You know, you're in your infancy and you're a toddler and you're an adolescent and you're a teenager. And that's all color coded within his book. And And you can be in one place, in one area of your organizational development and in another place in your organizational development, which is why I think the cultural quotient is so important because we sort of, I think, we sort of add on the cultural piece as like a afterthought, a happenstance. Oh, shoot. Let me run back like it's like it's the topping on a Sunday, but I think you would say it's not a topping. It is a foundational component. Yes. Yes, it is. It's an, it's a, it's a, it's imperative. So, I mean, there are, there are about four competencies in CQ. Quiet is kept. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which, which you recall at your conference, which I enjoyed, by the way, I always have a good time. I'm doing a plug for my girl on her on her own. Shout out to the Rooted Collaborative. And I, I, I talked about the four competencies, which is CQ drive, CQ knowledge, CQ strategy, and then. CQ action. So CQ drive, having an interest, a curiosity about like multicultural interactions. And it doesn't call for you to be worldly. Right. Let me just let me just add that because add that people will, people will think, oh my god, I gotta travel here. There, you know, we got the pandemic. I can't be traveling. They got restrict. No, it's about really taking the opportunity, <laughs> taking the opportunity <laughs> to like. Read, read something that's out of your comfort zone, out of your norm, go to the museum or take in the theater, just, just, just immerse yourself in other cultures, not only your own to have an understanding. Okay. And then, you know, the CQ knowledge is understanding how cultures are similar. And then at the same time, different you know, to break down all the stereotype barriers that are that are in place for us all yeah. or the, the unconscious and conscious biases. biases that are there. Yeah. Okay. And then of course having a strategy of like thinking and um and thinking strategically is how do you move forward? Because due to having differences, how do you merge and 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 be able to uh, interact and coexist in the same space, be it as the mayor cultures are different. And then of course, CQ action, you know, to adapt and to implement the plan, you know, the way, ways, how you communicate verbal or nonverbal, your, you know, how do you speak to people, yes. you know, all of these things all, and it's cyclical. So it's always on a continuum, but with, even within this, it ties into DEI. It needs to still, it needs to be incorporated. So, like I said, people are now understanding the importance of CQ and how it ties into DEI. Yeah. Because you you it you could write a statement about where you stand as an organization on the different issues or what have you. That's cute. That's nice. Nice. Sweet. But do you really understand the makeup of, of the individuals in your company? Would they be aligned with the statement that you're making? Does it tie into overall what yeah. the um, employee brand is? Those are all things you have to factor in. All of those things have to be factored in. And what's so crazy about that, um, I was thinking about, like, how does that show up in everyday practice? So when you think about the drive, so first, does your company have the desire Right. Like, is it even in your sort of like organizational leadership practice to want to be able to actually include, learn about, 
incorporate <laughs> across all of the different intersections of difference within your organization in a way that is honoring and not performative. And all performance is not bad, to be clear. Right. Um, you know, that's why we have Broadway, we have theater, we have all the things. All performance is not bad. Um, but performing for performance sake, we're done with that. And then to your next thing about the knowledge, like, do you have folks at the table, whether they're on your staff or you're hiring them, whose role it is to bring that body of knowledge together? That's the question and overall assessment. And it doesn't come down to the color of the person's skin. Mm. I just want to call that out too. Because, you know, yeah. that's been on the rise too of being like, okay, let's put let's put a, a person of, of color in the space yeah. to show that we're diverse. Yeah. That there's more to it. <laughs> there's more to it than that. Thank you. Thank you for, 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 for doing right. that. But that's right. nice. But there is more to it. Yeah. You know, is, is the whole organization on the same page in being culturally astute and aware? And does the that diversity not, not only start from the top, but disseminates down as well? Absolutely. Do you get to see others Absolutely. who look like the person who's at the top? Absolutely. I think that's such an important question because it, to me, means that like it is so nuanced. And I think we try to have the, you know, the shake and bake aspect of the good crispy chicken. And, you know, it's a lot more flambe. It's a lot more, you know, like we have a lot more stuff to do. Hold on, I'm fixing my camera. We have a lot more stuff to do. This poor, right? Listen, y'all. We're over here recording and having a good time. And let me tell you what, the, the day I decided to get fancy and it's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put this thing on the internet. Ah, oh, y'all, we can have a different conversation about the technologies. It's all good. It's <laughs> all good. Organizations like thinking about just like, it is not organizations who want to keep really great talent have to decide that they're going to actually step into a more sophisticated ways. Mm-hmm of thinking about retention and then backing their way into recruitment because ultimately if success looks like we have the most talented people in the world who work here, who are excited about the work they do, who innovate, who create products and services that are game changers for our industry. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep those folks there. You have to work from that premise. Well, let's keep it real. Yeah. So, <laughs> For nearly 20 years, companies got away with abusing employees. That's right. You know, employees were just working, 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 because, oh, my God, if I don't work, they're going to fire me. They're going to lay me off. And it even got worse after the financial crisis of 08. Okay. It just, it got, it got, it got worse. Um and what has happened is people have started to wake up and be like, um, you need me more than I need you. And if you don't have me, then how are you going to function? And it okay? used to be that employers would be like, you know, you missed this bus, another one is coming. But actually, right. depending on the type of industry you're in, and we're not just seeing this in what we used to consider, air quotes, high-skilled Right. It's across the board. It's across the board. I actually saw, um, I think it was like a meme on social media the other day of a supermarket who put up a sign at all of their registers that they were hiring everything from bag checkers to cake decorators uh, to store managers and everything between. And they made a point to say that they were paying above minimum wage. Yes. And what stood out to me was that one, they have a marketing challenge to figure that part out, but also Mm -hmm. what was happening up to that point that everybody had to decide they were going to go. But, (laughs) (laughs) but it became clear to me that like companies have to start thinking differently about the way that they are bringing folks into orbit. Because back to your point about that, that brand, that reputation, really thinking about what's going to make me excited to join this thing. 
when depending on the market or the type of industry you work in, your market might be saturated. It might be other companies that do exactly what you want to do who do something differently over there. So there's a lot that I feel like is at stake when we think about how to enroll that CQ. Yep. And it's definitely right now an employee's market, not an employer's market. to the housing market. I just yes. want to know, ooh, does that mean that the bubble is going to burst? I don't know, Danielle. I don't think so. No. It's, it's an employee's market right now, and I see it being an employee's market for, for a bit, for a while. Definitely. Because the employers had it for for a good bit, and it now has shifted where it's an employee's. So you're the leader of a team. You're the leader of a unit. You're the leader of a division. You're the CEO of a company, and you're like, so first I had to worry about running the company. Then I had to worry about finding good people to run the company. Then now I got to worry about making sure that I'm not being a total dick. And mm-hmm. now. I got to think about culture to hell. I mean, and how, and how their culture ties into how they operate Ooh. as a leader. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yep. So how does a leader who is like, all right, tall order, but I'm here for it. I do the venti at Starbucks. I could do the venti here. <laughs> like what, <laughs> what, what are some of the steps that they need to start to take to get on this journey to really being able to one, have that CQ for themselves mm-hmm. and also start to enroll that in for their organization. For what you can do on your own, I strongly encourage people to take a cultural intelligence assessment on the CQ Center uh, webpage, which is a CQ Center, which is over, over overseen by um, David uh, Livermore. Um, I did it. it was very enlightening as to what were my, I wouldn't say deficiencies or just like a certain point range as to where I was lacking in my CQ and, and what I should be mindful and cognizant about and what steps I should take to improve. Okay. Uh, on, on those uh, deficiencies. Right. Um, I also, uh, encourage people if they're isolated in their in their day-to-day mindset of activities mm-hmm. to broaden their horizons and try something they haven't done before that's not within their culture within their culture but also um uh outside of their culture i love that i love that and mm-hmm. i think that it becomes like really tough for um leaders to figure out where to prioritize. And so when it feels overwhelming, Mm -hmm. you kind of go to what you know. So to me, this suggests- This is where it's imperative to have a a, a sound HR person on your team, a chief people officer, or at least taking, biting the bullet- Come on, bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. And 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 acquire, you know, hire an OD practitioner to really assess your organization and making sure that you're covered on all fronts. And I, why do you think a lot of folks hesitate to do any number of those things? Because they, because so, a lot of people don't understand OD. I mean, using it, we use an acronyms and words. A lot of people like, don't understand oh, organization oh, development, oh, not organizational. Organization, organization development. development. Let's let's use the correct term. So a lot of people don't understand it. Hell, I didn't fully understand it until I got entrenched in it and I fell into it because of because of my work journey. Yeah. My work journey has been a very interesting one. Talk to us about it. How did you get to like the project? How did you get to OD? Like, how did you get oh my goodness? Yeah, no, so use the HOV. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So I have been in some in in facets of management consultant now for over 20 years. Um, And out of those 20 years for a good nearly about 10 years, I worked in nonprofit fundraising development work, similar quiche to what you what you do and and what you've expanded on doing in that realm. But I decided to leave. (laughs) 
you stayed. Did I? You stayed to a certain extent, a but certain not. You're extent. not. You're not fully there. I'm anymore. not fully out. No, no. But 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 um. But I I left. And the funny thing is, um, when I was younger and I was starting my career, my mother always said to me, you'd make a good project manager. I was like, what the hell? Is what is that? Like, what is that? What is that? And she knew before I knew about how I functioned as an individual and 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 how I always wanted to look at uh, logistics and and how and operational stuff. Right. So I have now been in project management, account management over 10 years, you know, over 10 years and, <laughs> and you know, work. Career. We're like, over oh, sure. You know, yeah. I mean, they're like, how old is she? Don't you worry. Don't I'm old enough to know something. I'm old enough to know something. And, and, <laughs> and, I've, and I have many many stories that I've experienced as a professional, yeah. as a woman, yeah. as a black person, yes. um, at, you know, just so many, all of the, the, the identity structures, identity, okay. Exactly. As a cisgender woman. So it's like, every, it's like, every, it's everything. Right. Wow. And, um, I realized, uh, I'm going to say in about nearly three years, I started to do like professional development trainings because people ask me, well, can you do it? Can you talk about this? And I was like, why are you going to ask me about what I know? But then it clicked because it did make sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And I also did, I, I had stories to share because I've experienced this, be it as, be it as a manager or be it as, you know, reporting to someone, you know, I, it's run the gamut. I've been bullied. I've been harassed. You, you name it. Ooh, it's happened. It happened. And how do you deal with that? Right. Um, yeah. And so uh, I was just like, I want to learn more. And I really also want to understand how people think, yeah. how leaders think yeah. and why they do what they do. And there, there is, a methodology or type of theory construct in why people operate the way they operate. And that has brought me to this point of basically um, working, doing development stuff. Mm-hmm. I am in school, so I'm like... <laughs> You're like doing all the things, okay? All the things. All the things. But I'm in school focusing on organization and leadership psychology. Like my my concentration is the neuroscience of leadership. So I really want to understand like, where are we going with this? Why do people operate they, the way they do? Why do organizations operate the way they do? Why do groups and organizations? <laughs> so like the, yeah. the, the, the organization, the, 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 the group and the individual. All, of all three components, up. all Absolutely. of the things that 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 make up a company or organization and make make an organization function. So here yeah. we are. I mean, it sounds to me like at the crux of it all, the three things you mentioned at the beginning, thinking about emotional, the emotional quotient, the social quotient, the cultural quotient, you've just got to have a level of intellectual curiosity. Yes. And so for those of us who thought we were done because we were done with school, eh, buzzer, we're not done. The learning, like being a lifelong learner is a part of the journey. And you may not be in the classroom like you are. Some people are like, I'm in the school of hard knocks. I'm like, great. But also doing a Google search is not research. I just want everybody to know sidebar. Right. So being, <laughs> able to, being able to jump in and learn about things that will continue to enrich you is an important part of well-rounded leadership. And that is so- It is. I, I thinking about what they need. I never imagined going back to school. Let us be clear. <laughs> Let us be very clear. But something told me that this is something I, I needed to do. Yeah. Because I needed to understand. And as things start to evolve in the workspace, Things further start to come to light and tie into what I'm what I'm learning, and there were things that I already 
was looking at and and was just like, huh, before I even started school, right? Yep. Um, so I am happy to be in this space. And in the past over a year and a half have really gone down the rabbit hole um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with all of these quotients and particularly with CQ because I've heard about EQ. I've read about EQ, everybody, EQ, EQ, EQ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know more about CQ and I'll, and I'll start my, my journey with SQ soon because I want to know more about that too. There, there has to be more to that. Right. Um, but for now I am seeing the importance of CQ, like I said, and how it, um, integrates and should be implemented within the DEI space. So for everyone who has their DEI certifications, I see them pop up. I think that is fabulous, but your work isn't done. Just starting. It's just starting. starting. Start to investigate more about CQ and really acknowledging and understanding its importance. I love that. So before we head out of here, I got a couple of popcorn uh, ready for them. Ha-ha! Okay. The pressure. Ah, what is your secret talent? <laughs> I'm actually a classically trained singer. Woo! I feel like I did not know that. Not a lot of people do. I feel like I know. I learn something new about my people all the time. That is amazing. Okay. So I cannot wait. You just talked to my brother, Anthony, because he went to... Um, Went to music school for the for operatic singing. So this is fan, this is fascinating. I studied operas and everything and arias yeah. and all that stuff oh. in high school and competed at the state level. Yes. That is amazing. And yes, that is a secret talent. Okay. What is your biggest pet peeve in leadership? Oh gosh. Oh. There's so many. My biggest pet peeve. What came to mind? You what, what makes you roll your eyes like so quickly? Is when people are like, I'll get back to you. Don't you worry. I'll get back to you. Yes, let's connect. Let's do lunch. Ooh. I'm the type of person when you say you want to meet. Okay, I'm, my calendar's open. What what's what's your calendar looking like? You're not gonna you're not gonna stall me or stop me with let's do lunch. And then you're like, we should know that goes along with the, we should get together sometime. And I always feel like the person who's like, you want to be my friend? Cause I'd be like, great. My calendar is open. Please. Which Thursday are you referring to? Like what? And I say that, that, which day is good for you? Which day is good for you? Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Please. Yes. That would be a, what? that would be what? Okay. One more. What is keeping you up at night? <laughs> what doesn't keep me up at night? <laughs> I have to slow my brain down every night because I have so many moving parts. Yeah. What keeps me up at night is what I'm what I'm studying um, in, in school. Yeah. I have many thought thoughts on it. I am also working on a practicum assessing an organization's on, onboarding experience right now. So it's like everything is intertwined and I have to slow that down. That's what keeps me up at night. And also my health, you know, I'm, I'm healthy, but just incorporating my workout schedule and all of the busyness that I'm doing, because I see you and, and I'm trying, I'm trying to get back on my, my proper, my proper schedule, but it's been a lot. I've been tired. Listen, I was happy I, I worked out this week. twice this week. I was happy I worked out twice. And listen, week. I'm giving you all the props because I have decided that I am not in competition with a soul. And no. the key for me with that is to get up again and want to do it again. Like, right. And so I have to listen to my body. And that's one of the things I learned a lot about in this last 18 months. I was literally ignoring my body. Like all the all the signs, all the warning signs. They were glaring, blinking lights. So it's what this as of today. I think this week I worked out three times. I'm not mad about it. Um, I, that's an accomplishment. I'll be I'll be proud when I when I work proud. out three 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 days a week. Yeah, yeah, three days proud. a week. And if I get four or Ooh, you know, then I'm doing real good. I used to do five days a week, and I'm gonna get back to it. I just I'm just in the stage right now of recalibrating on everything. You know, so it's gonna get there. 
It'll what get there. Song that gives you like that oomph, that push, that motivation. Oh my god! What what just came to mind? I know something did. What came to mind? What came to mind? Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> dreams and nightmares. Oh, okay. okay. I could play that song, and then the other song that came to mind immediately was Rick Ross. Uh, push it to the limit. Come on, come on! Yes. I'm taking it back. Push it to the limit, Port of Miami. Dun, dun, dun. Like I am like, cause it's like that's that's where I'm gone. You know, I'm always like, yeah. bah, bah, bah. and and you know, with dreams and nightmares, you know, it starts off slow, yeah. and then you know, Meek starts pulling it up. Hold on, wait a minute, y'all thought I was finished. I was like, I ain't finished, and that's why that's what goes on in my head. I'm like, I'm not finished because I still yeah. got to do this work, yeah. be it be it professionally or personally. So that's it. I love yeah. that. Oh, that's so good. Well, good. I am so glad we got to hang out today. You know, you thanks for having me, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, friends, um, all of Danielle's information is going to be in the show notes. So please make sure you go ahead and follow her. Danielle, where do you hang out the most? Are you the most on Twitter? Or are you the most on Instagram? Which which one is your hangout spot? I'm an Instagram cheat yeah. chick. Yeah, yeah, I don't really like Twitter. Twitter be killing me. I be like, oh Lord, 140 characters. Oh yes, you can extend oh, it, but I don't feel like writing. I write, I write all the time. I'm tired. <laughs> I want to see visual. So hang out on Instagram. I'll put her handle in the show notes. And this was such an, an awesome conversation and definitely a lot to think about around the CQ, the cultural quotient. And y'all get curious, get curious. Okay, my friends, this was another awesome episode of Let's Take This Offline. Y'all, I just can't just tell y'all how excited I am to have you. So Danielle, thank you so, so, so much for for hanging out with me and we will talk real soon. Yay. Bye. (laughs) Listen, y'all, we are, this was uh, such a treat. And so make sure that you click on all the links, you subscribe, you forward us to a friend who needs it. You let us know what we should be talking about on the podcast that talks about things that happen in the meeting after the meeting on Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. I'm Shana and I'll talk to you real soon. Like what you heard and need a little bit more of this in your life? Well, I want you to head on over to Kish Camp, my virtual camp for stressed out managers who are looking to manage people better and lead with confidence. You can head over to Kish Camp at www.kishcamp.co.